Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 11 of Twin, Twin Talk, Talk MN. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And today, we have a really great episode. The NBA regular season only has three weeks left. There are a lot of injuries to get to. The MLB season is now three weeks in. There are tons of news out of the MLB. And the NFL draft is this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So we'll be breaking that down a lot. I have a really good story to tell you. And Andrew also has a really great birthday to tell you. And we'll also give you news around the sports herd. But Andrew, let us jump right in to the NBA. Andrew, the NBA season, as I said, only has three weeks left. What can you tell us about the NBA season winding down and just some news around the league from this week? Yeah, fine. As you keep on saying, the NBA is starting to wind down. We still have tons of season left. The Knicks are really making a playoff push behind Julius Randle's breakout season, who some people are saying could be a dark horse for the MVP. The Raptors have really fallen out of the playoffs and will most likely not even be in the play-in game this year. The Hawks are the five seed in the Eastern Conference and could, and I say could, have a good season four seed, depending on who that is, whether it might be the Knicks. And Ryan, in the West, the Mavericks, Blazers, Spurs, Warriors, and Grizzlies are all between the seeds 7 through 11. Do you feel like any of them have a chance to get into the playing game and then maybe upset the Lakers, Jazz, or Suns? Personally, I feel like it's going to be really hard for all of these teams to really do well. I feel like on some of these teams with the Mavericks and Grizzlies, they just have one really good player who if they have a 50-point game in that playoff game, they could do very, very well. But... Two teams that I really think have a good chance are the Blazers and really just the Warriors. I mean, both teams have really just been playing really well all year, both behind their amazing MVP caliber point guards on offense and just a very solid supporting cast all around them. So personally, I've got to go with the Blazers for my pick. But if any of these teams do well, I think that it has to be them. Andrew, let's break down some of the injuries. Um... Some of the injuries include, right now, in the NBA, we have Donovan Mitchell, who is injured. LaMelo Ball is still injured. Gorn Hayward is still injured. And De'Aaron Fox looks pretty badly injured. Yeah, Vine. Some other injuries are Kevin Durant, Trey Young, Kawhi Leonard, Zach Levine, LeBron James, Monte Simonis, Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, LaMelo Ball, Tyler Hero, Gordon Hayward, Victor Oladipo, Miles Turner, Chris Boucher, Kevin Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Serge Ibaka, Mitchell Robinson, Robert Williams III, Al Horford, uh, Will Barton, Otto Porter Jr., T.J. Warren, DeAndre Hunter, and Jay Crowder. Yeah, a lot of injuries going around the NBA right now. A couple guys are out for the playoffs, but I really tried to refrain from saying guys who are out for the entire season. But there is one guy who did return from a very long injury, and that is Jared Jackson Jr. And also, Anthony Davis are both back. Now, obviously, Jared Jackson Jr. is on the Grizzlies, and he's pretty good for them. But as I was saying, even if they do make the playoffs, I don't think they'll really go that far. So that's not a big leap. Also, he'll be extremely limited as so far he's only play, he's only averaging about 20 minutes per game, and it's already sitting out last night's game, and I think believe it's sitting out tomorrow's game too. But Anthony Davis, Andrew, I really want to get into this with the Lakers now having Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond, hopefully LeBron James for the playoffs, Dennis Shooter, and Montrezl Harrell. This team just seems, well, they, they, they just might seem impossible to beat in the Western Conference. Now, last week we were talking about the, ja- oh, the Jazz and the Suns. Both teams were surging, and both teams continue to dominate. But, Andrew, do you really think that, that now uh, on the Lakers, 
with Davis, LeBron, Montrezl, Schroeder, and Drummond? Do you think they can overtake the Suns or Jazz? Who would you pick first, second, and third best teams of those three teams? Ryan, well, I'm sorry, but just this team's depth pieces are not good enough, and their stars are not good enough, and that is just the Phoenix Suns. I understand that you have Chris Paul, who's having a very good season. Obviously, there's the Chris Paul effect where a team gets so much better with him as their floor general, but I'm sorry. Just you cannot have Jay Crowder or... Probably even Michael Bridges in your starting lineup. DeAndre Ayton is having a terrible season. Darren Booker is not having the MVP-like season we all want him to have. So I'm sorry, but this team is not up with the Jazz and Lakers. And then number two, I got to go with the Lakers. Ryan, I do agree that they're forward to center LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Dennis Schroeder, and World Point Guard, and then Andre Drummond. But I'm sorry, before they got Drummond, even when AD and LeBron were fully healthy, I still picked the Jazz to be better. And now that LeBron... Might even not play another regular season game. And Anthony Davis, I'm sorry. I mean, I know he's coming back from injury. But this entire season, he has been looking shaky. Andre Drummond, I'm sorry, but how much can he really impact the game when he's getting like six points per game, 14 rebounds, two blocks, and two steals? I'm sorry. But just their depth pieces. We saw when LeBron AD left. They had no one. They had Kyle Kuzma, Dennis Schroeder, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I'm sorry, but I have to go with the Jazz First, yes, Donovan Mitchell is injured, but Rudy Gobert is playing so well. Joe Ingles and Bogdan and Boyan Bogdanovich are having amazing seasons as well. And Jordan Clarkson is just having a great season coming off that bench. Donovan Mitchell, when he is healthy, will be having a great, great season. Ryan, real fast, do you feel like in the NBA, obviously we are not betting people, but do you think any team in the NBA has a 75% chance or more to make the NBA Finals? To make the NBA Finals, uh, this is really tough, but I would have to go with, yes, I feel like on the net, I, would I say they have a 75% chance to win the Finals? No, just because I feel like this LeBron magic might just be too strong, and just, I don't know, maybe with the Jazz, they're just going to do something crazy, or Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert all play like good All-Stars, I don't know, I can't say, but I just feel like with the Nets, who's going to stop them? The 76ers, James Harden, is right around Joel Embiid. And then the other two best players on, on who are on the Nets, who are Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, are way better than Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. The only problem for the only problem for the Nets is really being able to play through just three players and really no one else who's that good besides Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan, and Jeff Green. But I don't know. I feel like if I'm talking about the Nets, I'd say they've about they easily have the best chance to make the finals in the NBA. But I'm not sure if I go 75. That's a good question that we'll have to continue to monitor. But Andrew, let's move on to the MLB, the most exciting player in the MLB right now. Fernando Tatis returned this week, and he came back in a big way. Andrew, tell us what he did. Well, Ryan, he has just set history, and he has became the second player, sorry, the first player in MLB history to have consecutive multi-homer games against Cy Young winners, when I believe on um, Friday night, he had a multi-homer game against Clayton Kershaw, next night, does the same thing against Trevor Bauer, and as he's rounding second, you know, Trevor Bauer, he likes to pitch with only one eye open, so Fernando Tatis covered up his left eye to say, oh, I only need one eye to hit multiple home runs tonight. And the Padres did get killed in that game. But Fernando T- Tatis is 
back run. Some guys that are just having amazing starts to the season include Ron Acuna Jr., who is just looking like the MVP so far. J.D. Martinez, who is looking to come back from an off year. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's really hitting that stride after his rookie year in Mike Trout. No surprise there, just the all-around MVP. Um, in past seasons, those four guys, again, are Acuna, Jay Martinez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Mike Trout. Some guys that are really, really disappointing right now, mostly because of their play, but one because of their injury. Christian Yelich got off to a bad start and is now injured. Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story, Marcelo Zuna, Charlie Blackman, and Ipeno Suarez are all not having good seasons, not good batting average, not good power. Fine. Out of those guys, any guy you feel like eh, could be contending for the MVP in just about a month. Yeah. Personally, I don't know, but I feel like just with that Penny of Suarez, I don't know. I feel like that we see these with a lot. And same with J.D. Martinez. If they're able to get their timing down and get their bat speed down and really be able to read the stitches on the ball, they will hit a home run every three or four games. In fact, right now, J.D. Martinez is seeing the ball so well. We know he has the power. We know, same with Miguel Sano. If they get a pitch down the middle, they get a pitch that they get a pitch that they are able to handle. It's going to go 400 out of the park. But a lot of the problem for these guys is when they get into these bad stretches where they can't see the ball and they're really struggling with their timing. And that's what Miguel Sano is in right now. That's what Marcelo Zuna is in right now. Same with Peña Suarez. But the question is, who's going to break out of it? How long can J.D. Martinez continue to see the ball so well? And those are questions that we'll have to continue to watch because we know that Peña Suarez two years ago led the league in home runs it's pretty clear that his power is not leaving him. It's just his batting average and possibly being able to see the ball so well. But, Andrew, we've been talking about a lot of solid hitters and a lot of not-so-good hitters. But one guy that just you got to talk about is the best pitcher in the league, Jacob DeGrom, setting record after record. Andrew, Jacob DeGrom is too good. In the offseason, we were talking about the Mets, the Mets, Jacob DeGrom, and Francisco Lindor. Two of the best players in our game. And as you said, Francisco Lindor is not doing too well. But the Mets are still doing pretty well. And Andrew, tell me why with Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, Ryan, as many people know, pitchers are not known for hitting. They're basically just there for the other pitcher to get a strikeout, to get subbed in when they're having a bad game. And Ryan, that is not what Jacob DeGrom does. He has the best average on the Mets. And he has more RBIs than runs given up. That is right. He has hit in more runs than he has given up. He has pitched roughly 30 innings this year, giving up one run. The last time he pitched, he pitched a complete game shutout. Nine whole innings and only gave up two hits. And those two hits came in the first inning. He pitched eight perfect innings. And not against the Pirates or the Mariners or the Rangers. He pitched against the Washington Nationals. Trey Turner, three times down. Victor Robles, three times down. Josh Bell, three times down. That is right. Jacob DeGrom had a dominant start and is having an amazing season and had 15 strikeouts. Almost average. Two, almost average. A strikeout every other batter. That is so impressive. Jacob DeGrom is really making a run for Saw Young. Ryan, another guy that has just been looking so dominant this year is Corbin Burns, starting pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. We all knew he had a great season last year. Didn't know if he could keep it up this year, but oh, Ryan, he has. He is basically doing identical stuff to Jacob DeGrom, who obviously, I said, is the Saw Young, but coming in this year was the number one pitcher. Now, is the undeniable number one pitcher. Corbin Burns is doing stuff like him. Yeah, Andrew, as you're saying, with what, what are you talking about with, with Jacob DeGrom? Obviously, one of the craziest stats is that he's hit in more runs than scored runs. Corbin Burns isn't doing that at the plate, but you know what he's doing on the mound? 
a lot of pitchers have this thing called strikeout to walk ratio. How many walks they give up for every strikeout. Now, I believe that most of the best ones are maybe three to one, four to one, two, maybe two to one, and even five to one would be amazing. Five strikeouts to one walk, that would be beautiful. But Corbin Burns so far this year in four starts, er, in three starts, has 40 strikeouts. No, it's four starts. Four starts with 40 strikeouts. Now, that is insane. But you might say, uh, well, maybe he's just throwing it outside and just guys are swinging all over the place. How many walks, Ryan? It's less than 40. It's less than 35. It's less than 30. It's less than 25. It's less than 20. It's less than 15. It's less than 10. It's less than 5. It's less than 4. It's less than 3. It's less than two. It is not one. Zero walks. 40 to zero. Strikeout to walk ratio. 40 to zero. This is the most strikeouts ever gotten in a season to start an MLB season before a pitcher's first walk given up. This is crazy. This guy has pitched against the Padres. He pitched against the Dodgers. This guy is too Good. Corbin Burns, watch out for him in Cy Young. It looks like he is going to have a fun season with Jacob DeGrom. And Andrew, let's talk a little bit about the surging Brewers. Obviously, as he said, Christian Yelich, not having a great year, and is injured. Colton Wong, injured. Kesson Hira, not having a great season. And they are just struggling all around with also Lorenzo Kane injured. But Andrew, this pitching staff of Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Devin Williams, and Josh Hader have just been dominating. It really seems like this team could easily be in contention for the National League Central Division Championship. I don't know. I, I would just say that we that we really have to watch out for these Brewers as they just continue to move very well. Now, Andrew, other news around the MLB. Andrew, we we see that we see that the Giants, the Royals, and the Mariners are all over sixty percent. Winning percentage. Andrew, are there any of these teams that you really think are for real? Or do you think that some of these teams are just kind of getting lucky? They've played some easy teams. What do you think? Ryan, one team that I have to say this offseason, I really like their moves. And that is the Kansas City Royals. And don't get me wrong, the pitching staff is probably the worst in the league. But the back of their pitching staff is also probably the worst in the league. But they're hitting. They actually may be top ten. Whit Merrifield has been doing amazing these last couple years, and this season is no different. Carlos Santana doing great. Michael A. Taylor coming off the Nationals team and has just been looking great for them this season. Andrew Benatendi joining that squad. Obviously, you already have Jorge Soler and Hunter Dozier and Michael Franco. I believe he might be on a different team, but Hunter Dozier is on that team, and that is one amazing hitting squad. Salvador Perez is having a great season as their catcher. I have to say the Royals could be for real. And with the Twins and White Sox and Indians and Tigers all struggling, they could be up there to win the division. Ryan, some other teams that are really struggling so far to start the season are the Twins. Um, are the Twins, Nationals, and Reds are all extremely under expectations. Ryan, out of any of those teams, the Twins, Nationals, or the Reds, do you feel like could really... Make a statement. Yeah, well, Andrew, personally, I think it's definitely the Astros. I mean, when you look at the statistics, right now, they have one of their best pitchers, Framer Valdez, is injured. He should be back in about a month or two. Then, they have Christian Javier, 
who is also a great pitcher. But they decided to send him down to the minors just to go to a bit just to get a little bit more work so he could be back soon. And also, three of their best hitters, Alex Bregman, Jose Otuve, and Yuranon Alvarez, who normally in the past two weeks with about 10 games would combine for about 30, um, 30 at-bats. Probably more. But you know how many at-bats Jose Otuve, Yuranon Alvarez, and Alex Bregman have combined for in the past two weeks? Less than 10. Jose Altuve tested positive for the coronavirus two weeks ago, so he should be back soon. Alex Bregman already has made a huge statement in yesterday's game, same with Jordan Alvarez, where the Astros beat the Angels by just a very small margin of 16 to 2. 16 runs by a team without Jose Altuve, who might be their best play. This team, I feel like, can easily make a run at the playoffs. Their division is terrible. The Athletics are terrible. The Angels are not doing good right now. Obviously, the Mariners should be one of the worst teams in the league, and the Rangers are pretty undoubtedly the worst team in the league, maybe just behind, maybe just ahead of the Pirates. So, yeah, I definitely think the Astros can turn it around. But, Andrew, let's move on to the NFL. Andrew, the draft is this Thursday. But, Andrew, there was a move made in the NFL that could, tr- that could change some of this draft. Andrew, do you remember what that move was? Ryan, the Chiefs acquired Orlando Brown from the Ravens. Obviously, you remember earlier in the offseason when they gave away their two top offensive linemen in Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. Orlando Brown is an amazing pickup for them. They basically decided to trade a couple of draft picks with the Ravens, and then they got maybe the best offensive tackle in the league. I love this move. You pair him along with that amazing offensive line. And I, sorry, not that amazing offensive line, but a couple other good guys. And I'd say that really helps out Patrick Mahomes. Ryan, I know last week you gave us your top 15 picks, but how about me and you discuss more about maybe 1 through 10, maybe 1 through 15. By the way, I'm sorry if your team is drafting later. We just aren't amazing that later, and we don't always remember what teams are later. So, Ryan, how about we start with the clear number one pick, which is going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think we can agree, but let's talk about who you want to take there. Yeah, Andrew, I mean, it's definitely Trevor Lawrence at number one. This is undoubtedly clear, and it just feels like it has to be Trevor Lawrence. I mean, this guy is just too dominant all the time, and I just don't really know if anyone else even stands a chance. Yeah, Ryan, I think we can both agree on that. Trevor Lawrence is undoubtedly the best player in this draft, and I feel like could maybe not be the best if we see him in the NFL. But for right now, for Jacksonville, this is a no-brainer about who to take the best in college, the best through his career so far. They have to go with him. Then at number two, obviously we have the Jets picking. I think we all know that they have to take a quarterback or Sam Darnold leaves. Ryan, I got to go with this pick as Zach Wilson. I understand that personally I'm not a huge fan of Wilson, but I feel like this is the most likely scenario. And I have to say I'm not... Don't love Wilson. I'm sorry. I just feel like his arm is not developed. We've not seen enough of him. Don't get me wrong. BYU is obviously a hard college coming out of since they don't have great opponents. But I'm sorry. I just love Justin Fields so much. But I guess I'll say Zach Wilson. Yeah. Now, let's look at the number three pick. Now, this is where we really have to get into. Is it what we think the team should do? Or is it what we think the team will do? Now, for this mock draft, 
you don't probably really care that much what we would do. And you want to know what the team will probably do this Thursday night. So, Andrew, let us talk about that. With the 49ers' third pick in the draft, it seems pretty given that they're going to take a quarterback. Now, the options are, a lot of people think it's going to be Mac Jones. A lot of people think it's going to be Justin Fields. And there are a few people who think it could be Trey Lance. These are three, the next three quarterbacks in this draft. Now, I would take Justin Fields, but I definitely think the 49ers are going to take Mac Jones. Andrew, what do you think the 49ers are going to call on Thursday night? Ryan, I have to say, I think they're going to call Mac Jones. I'm sorry, I just feel like coming out of that Alabama offense, being on a winning team that had maybe one of the most dominant seasons in college football history, I feel like I'm sorry, but that's too much for Kyle Shanahan to pass up in his arm, what he can do, which basically Kyle Shanahan has never had of any of his quarterbacks, of what they can throw. I feel like he will not pass up, but I'm sorry. I say that I've been thinking about this a lot and discussing this with Ryan, and I have to say that they should take Justin Fields. Now, don't get me wrong. Matt Jones would be an amazing guy to sit back in the pocket and toss lobs to George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Van Nuyu. But I'm sorry. Just imagine if they could run kind of a similar kind of Ravens offense in 2019 with a Russian quarterback in Justin Fields. Two amazing running backs in Raheem Monster and whoever their backup will be. Might be Jeff Wilson Jr. Debo Samuel and Van Ayuk. Two of the, maybe Ayuk, the most athletic wide receivers in the league. Just running, um, just running screen passes after handoffs, after wide receiver in, wide receiver runs. You can have a Curse Samuel type game. George Kittle on the PA pass. He's going. I'm sorry. I love Justin Fields here, but I do think they are going to take Mac Jones. Ryan, at number four, we have the Falcons. Now, obviously, they could take a quarterback, which would probably be Fields if he is open. But I know a lot of people love, love them taking Kyle Pitts tight end out of Florida. But I'm sorry. I do love Pitts. In fan, I have him as one of the best tight ends in the league immediately after he is drafted, no matter the team. But I'm sorry. In this spot, you got to take a defense if you're the Falcons. Now, don't get me wrong. Definitely, offense is reigning supreme in the NFL. You might need a quarterback. You might need a tight end. You easily need a running back. But there are no good running backs. I feel like right here, a quarterback, obviously, Fields will be nice. But I'm sorry. Matt Ryan is still top 15 in the league. And he has two good targets for you taking out the quarterback. Kyle Pitts will be nice. But I'm sorry. Hayden Hurst might be one of the only tight ends better than Kyle Pitts right now. Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones on the offensive side. You cannot try to squander them. So you got to take a defense. I don't care if it's Patrick Sertain. I don't care if it's um, Micah Parsons. I don't care who it is, but I'm sorry, you gotta take a defense, Ryan. Tell me, who are the Bengals going to take at pick five? Yeah, Andrew, as I said last week, this might be the most obvious pick in this entire draft. Penny Sewell just seems like it has to happen. The Bengals' defense has some small holes, but none larger than offensive line, which is by far, by far, the worst in the league. Not even close. It is just terrible. And you remember two years ago, the Bengals had Joe Mixon, the running back, who had a great year. But last year, he did so bad, and a lot of people say that was because of the offensive line. But you got to remember, too, they have Joe Burrow, who last year had a great season. And imagine how much better he would be with a revamped offensive line, just like when he was at LSU, when he was behind one of the top offensive lines in the country. I feel like they definitely will take Penny Sewell. Now, Andrew, let's move on to number six. This is the Miami Dolphins. Now, Andrew, a lot of people have been speculating on this pick. At first, a couple of weeks ago, I was saying they would take a wide receiver. But after they signed a great wide receiver in free agency, Will Fuller the fifth, 
That might not be so apparent. Andrew, what do you think is going to happen here? Ryan, this is a very, very interesting pick. The Dolphins are basically, I'd say, if I'm grading them a 1 out of 5 on every single position, they basically have a 5 or a 6 at every position. No position is lacking. No position is um Pro Bowl level, except for maybe their cornerbacks and maybe even their linebackers. So I can't just say random defenders now. Ryan, we are in trouble. But I'm sorry. To attack of Iloa. He needs help. And all you got him was Will Fuller the fifth. And you do not have a sufficient run game. I'm sorry. But this is where you take my guy, Kyle Pitts. This is perfect spot for him. Mike Kosicki, I'm sorry, but you are going to have to leave your touchdown after oh, um touchdown on back-to-back games. Never being consistent. Kyle Pitts is the consistent guy who I project will get about 60 yards and touchdown every single week for the Dolphins. Help to attack of Iloa. Help Will Fuller the fifth spread the floor. Who spread the field. Help Miles Gaskin become a sufficient runner and help Devontae Parker back to his first-year Dolphins days. Ryan. That was a lot, but let's get to the number 7 pick with the Detroit Lions. Obviously, this is a super confusing pick. The Lions really do not have anything whatsoever. I think I know who you might pick, but tell me who you think. Yeah, personally, I have to go with Micah Parsons. I feel like he is the most dominant defensive player in this draft, and I feel like the Lions will end up taking him at this pick right here. That is what I think the Lions will end up doing. I feel like they need a defense. Sure. Would quarterback be nice? Yes. Would running back be nice? Yes. Would wide receiver be nice? Yes. But I feel like none of the wide receivers measure up here besides maybe Jamar Chase. I feel like Jamar Chase would make some sense, but I don't like that. I like a defender in Micah Parsons. Andrew, you've been shaking your head very angrily at me this entire time I've been talking. So please, please say your piece. Ryan, I'm sorry, but just I feel like the Lions basically are pulling an Oklahoma City Thunder. They're just giving everyone a right. Trading for young guys, trading for picks. I'm sorry. But, I just feel like on this Lions team, you need to take a wide receiver. You lost Kenny Gowdy. You lost Marvin Jones Jr. You lost Quentin Cephas. You lost Jamal Agnew. You lost, but you still have DeAndre Swift. You still have Jared Goff, who I have to say I am super excited about. But just imagine that big three of Jabbar Chase or Devontae Smith, Jared Goff, and DeAndre Swift. Obviously, it would not be the top five quarterback, wide receiver, and running back duo in the league. But I'm sorry, just imagine that team in four years. You could say imagine that offense, but the defense will be the worst in the league after they really botched last year's pick yeah, of fine, Jeff fine. Which will do more? A linebacker? Who will oh, well, get you three, four sacks? Or a wide receiver? Who will get you maybe a thousand yards, ten touchdowns, and help you win the game on game-winning plays? That is true. That would help. But I feel like with the Wines, they have a couple of decent, very young wide receivers that they might be able to use. But on defense, I feel you like name one they just teams? have nothing on teams. defense. And I feel like, yes, does their defense is it's just an abomination. Their offense is struggling. I agree. But they have things to do on offense. They have a great pass-catching running back. They have a great young running back to build around. They could just be a great offensive team. But if you just keep on building around your offense, look what happened with the Cowboys. They have a great running back, a great quarterback. But they put all their chips in the offense. And wait, are they a super team? No. They got to eight wins with the Lions haven't done since 05. But are the Lions trying to get to eight wins? No. 
right now maybe it is, but I feel like when you when you're building for the future, and it's Andrew was saying they stockpiled a lot of picks for the future. So personally, I feel like you have to start building now, Andrew. We have to move on from this, but definitely a conversation to be had. And we'll really have to watch this pick. I feel like Jamar Chase might be who they end up picking. But I got to go with Micah Parsons. Now, Angie, let's go to this number eight pick with the Carolina Panthers. We know they traded for a quarterback. We know they have two great wide receivers. We know they have the number one running back in the NFL in Christian McCaffrey. But, Andrew, I kind of expect that you're going to say that they end up taking a defensive player or maybe an offensive line. Andrew, who do you like with this pick? Ryan. I have to say, if this guy's open, I would love to take him. That is Patrick Sertain. Obviously, I know the last amazing quarter to come out of the NFL draft, Jeff Okuda was an extreme bust, but I feel great about Patrick Sertain. He had an amazing career at Alabama, leading that team to an amazing defense. I love him here if he is not open. I also love J.C. Horn. I forgot where he went to. It might be Virginia Tech, but I believe he should be an amazing. Nope, that's Caleb Faitley. He would also be good here. As Ryan said, Micah Parsons, the pick before, if he is open, I would love him here. This guy almost definitely will not drop, but if he is, you should trade up to get him, and that is Kyle Pitts blocking for Christian McCaffrey, throwing from Sandon and Teddy Bridgewater. That would be amazing, Ryan. And Andrew, it's funny you should say blocking, because personally, I've got to go with Rashawn Slater here, offensive tackle out of Northwestern. He has been climbing more than anyone I've seen in the draft in a very long time, and I feel like Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle out of Northwestern, would be a great pick for the Panthers. Yes, do they need a little bit of help on the defensive side of the ball? That is not a conversation to be had. But I feel like on the offensive line, they could really bolster it up. And Sam Darnold, I feel like he could be a decent young quarterback in this game, but he's going to need some help. That is also not a conversation to be had. And I feel like it could start with offensive line. But Andrew, let's move on to number nine with the Denver Broncos. Andrew, this team needs a lot of help with the quarterback. So personally, I've got to go with Justin Fields. I mean, if this guy's open... He could be a great person for Drew Locke. And then, yeah, you might say, well, Ryan, then is Justin Fields even better than Drew Locke? Maybe not right now, but I feel Justin Fields will have a better career than Drew Locke. And great, you do what the you do what the Jets did. You go out, you trade Drew Locke for a second, fourth, and a sixth round draft pick. Drew Locke might even be better than Sam Darnold. And the next year, you can get another pick. But Andrew, what is your pick for the Broncos here? Ryan, this is the place where I like Rashawn Slender. If he is open, I feel like just protecting for Drew Locke would do wonders for him. Give him time to football. Let him throw the ball downfield to Jerry Judy. Let him throw the ball downfield to Corlin Sun. Ryan, let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys. As you said, they have no one on defense. So here, if J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertain is open, my order of them is Patrick Sertain, J.C. Horn, and then Caleb Fraley. I'm sorry, I don't care if Trevor Lawrence himself is open. I don't care if Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Wire are open. I need you to take a defense, Cowboys. You can stop saying we damn boys if you don't take a defender. Ryan, who you got? Yeah, definitely same thing. A defender. Any defender, really. I completely agree. J.C. Horn would be electric for them. But, Andrew, let's just wrap up our last five teams, starting with the New York Giants. Let's just switch off. Andrew, who do you like on the Giants? Fine. Here, I really don't know. I feel like, again, with them, I might just have to go with a defender. Get Gary Bradbury some... Or James Bradbury some help on the corner. Really, their wide receivers are great. The running backs are great. Quarterback. I could see them taking Trey Lance, but I'm sorry. I still like Dean Dimes. Fine with the Eagles, who obviously trade into this pick. Who you'd like? Yeah, and this is really tough. I feel like, again, wide receiver, you got to just look at the order of Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle. If any of those three guys are open, I would definitely take them, even if maybe all three of those guys are taken, which they definitely won't be. Maybe you could just take wide receiver Rondale Moore out of Purdue. I don't know. They just really, really need a wide receiver. This isn't even a joke. They just are so bad at wide receiver. Andrew, at number 13 with the Los Angeles Chargers, 
one of the top young quarterbacks in the game. Great young running back and great wide receiver. What are you thinking here? Ryan here, I love Christian Darisaw. I just feel like he is going to do wonders for Justin Herbert. And with that team coming back fully healthy, I just feel like he is going to be a star in the NFL. An instant pro war, an instant top five at his own position. I went to Minnesota Vikings, our second to last team. Tell me, obviously, we've been talking about this all offseason. We'll get to it in a minute, but just tell me who you got real fast. Yeah, Andrew, this is a really tough pick. I mean, with the Vikings, wide receiver is pretty much off limits unless Jamar Chase is open. Running back is off limits. Quarterback is pretty much off limits. Linebacker is off limits. Safety is off limits. Cornerback is not smart. Defensive line is probably good. And offensive line is really the other option. And I feel like there are it's tough to really be able to find a lot of good guys. But I don't know. We might just have to go with Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. I don't know. This guy just seems like a very solid offensive line. Is he going to make the big plays like like Penesua or Rashawn Slater? Probably not, but I feel like this is the guy that the Vikings need right now. Andrew, with our very last pick, the New England Patriots. Please finish this up quickly. Ryan, I really don't know. Obviously, the Patriots are one of the most confusing teams in the entire NFL history, but I feel like revamping that offense, you gotta turn to my running back position, Damian Harris. I'm sorry, I know he's young and out of Alabama, and that's promising, but I'm sorry, I do not like him. Here, I would love, I would love Today, Najee Harris just electrify that offense. Do not have to give the ball to Cam Newton every time. I love Najee Harris here. Ryan, let us move on to some Minnesota sports teams. Ryan, the Timberwolves have actually been looking decent last night. We beat the Jazz. That's right. We beat the Jazz. That's my pick to win the NBA Finals, and we beat them. Ryan, Carlton Townsend, Anthony Evans have been doing amazing. Ryan, real quick, because I do want to talk about some Twins and Vikings. Ryan, is Edwards a future All-Star, or do you feel like he'll just kind of lie in the weeds? I feel like he is a future All-Star. Is he going to be a future MVP from what I've seen so far? It looks like the answer is no at the moment, but could he be a future All-Star? Yes, because that's a lot of system and work ethic and love for the game. Really shows me that he's great. Now, Andrew, obviously, I love a good win as much as the next guy. But I also hate a win as much as the next Timberwolves fan. I mean, right now, we have moved into the second worst team in the league. Right ahead, just one game ahead of the Rockets. That's not that bad. But then the Pistons are only two games ahead of us. The Wizards are only two games ahead of us. And the Thunder are only three games ahead of us. It's a really slippery slope once we start winning games. And I feel like we need this draft pick. Would I love it if this year we showed that we have potential? Yes, I would. But would I hate it way more if we lost our top three draft pick? Yes, I would. Now, Andrew, you said you wanted to move on to the Twins, so I will grant your wish. Let us move on to the Twins. Andrew, we've been playing terribly this week. I think we might have lost every single game besides one in the past week or maybe even two weeks. Andrew, I'm so disappointed. Yeah, fine. The Twins just cannot win a game. I'm sorry. We just are not playing well at all. Are hitting. Right, as you said very early in the podcast with Miguel Sano-type players. They get into these slumps, and they just can't get out of them. They just You see these balls. They're on the winning track. Base is loaded. Two outs. Could be a grand slam or just a routine pop-out. Ryan, our pitching has been okay. Our starting pitching has been actually pretty good. Jose Bias looking good. Kent Maeda, Jay Happ had a phenomenal start, throwing a combined almost no hitter just two days ago. But Ryan, our offense cannot get it going last night. We lost against the Pirates. The Pirates, who you said are the worst team in the league, and I completely agree. Ryan, this is so disappointing. I know you already broke this down, but just before we get into your story, which I am super excited about, tell me just a little bit more about the Vikings draft picks, and maybe just tell me one position that you feel like we could need after the first round. Yeah, Andrew, after the first round, it seems like a lot of people really like a quarterback for the Vikings. Is Kirk Cousin a great quarterback? I wouldn't say great, but he's probably good enough for our team that is not in Super Bowl contention 
right now. But for the future, feels like we might need a different guy. Cousins has been decent every year, but has he ever really come close to being a top 10 quarterback in the league? Not really. And really, the only time he does well is when no one cares at the end of the game when both teams have given up. That's really the only time he does well. Does it show well on the, st on the stat sheet? Yes, it does. But does it matter for helping us win games? Win a seat, have a winning record in the season? Or win a playoff game? No, it really doesn't. And that's really the problem for the Vikings, Twins, and Timberwolves. Can we have guys who sometimes do well? Yeah. But are we going to win games? No. And that is the problem right now with the Vikings. I feel like in the third or fourth round, a lot of people like a wide receiver, as after Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. We don't have a lot of depth, but we'll have to see what happens. Now, here is my story of a great basketball player who you might not expect. But let me get started. His name is Rick Fox. He was born in 1969 in Canada. He moved to the Bahamas at an early age. He never really played basketball at school, but at summer camp in middle school, he had a lot of fun and was very talented at it and ended up playing in high school. He was very good at it. He played very well in his first couple years and got a lot of college and state attention. But interestingly, was held out the whole season of his senior year because he had a problem with, with, because he came to a new state um, in the continental U.S., but he was still good enough to go to North Carolina College on a scholarship for basketball. In high school, he also really liked acting and was in many plays. In college, he was a stud, showing he had a lot of NBA-level talent and being drafted in the 1991 NBA draft to the Boston Celtics. He played very well in his rookie season alongside Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and Robert Parrish, three of the best to ever do it. Rick Fox played very well, but was cut in 1997 and joined the rival Los Angeles Lakers, where he played very well into the early 2000s alongside Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. Rick Fox never averaged more than 10 points, uh, never averaged more than 10 points a season in um, while he was in the NBA, but he always helped the Lakers win playoff games and was really, he was the third best player on a championship winning team, which is pretty impressive. He did decide to retire in 2003 and as I previously stated, he did a lot of acting during high school. And in college, he really took his acting skills to the next level, getting a bachelor's degree in television and motion picture. In college, he had some small acting parts in lower-level films and shows, but continued to do well. And the problem for most actors is that unless they're really talented from a young age, it's going to be hard to continue going out for parts, especially in big acting films, because you got to find a way to make money. And normally, it takes a while to be a famous actor or really just person acting and anything. But in Rick Fox's case, he had a great NBA career to to fall back on. If he missed a part, it was no big deal. He was a great basketball player. And also, what a lot of other basketball players have done, like Kevin Garnett or Ray Allen, is be in movies where they need someone who's really good at acting, but also really good at basketball. And where just maybe a great actor like Will Ferrell or Adam Sandler wouldn't be able to cut it, but Rick Fox who was really good at basketball, was able to do it as Rick Fox was in a couple of movies where he really was able to showcase his basketball skills. Rick Fox has been in tons of movies and shows since and really has had a great acting career. Some of his biggest shows are called Oz, Criminal Minds, The Big Bang Theory, Mom, and he is in over 50 combined shows and movies. He was also on are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader and Dancing with the Stars, RuPaul's Drag Racing, and Chopped.
Rick Fox had a great NBA career and really was named the 50th best actor who also played in the NBA by Yarbrock, which is a website that I found online. Rick Fox really worked hard at what he was doing and really just wanted to follow his dream. And just imagine being a really good, famous actor, but also being a great basketball player and winning three championships in basketball's golden age, which is looked at as the 1980s and 90s. Rick Fox has had a great career and also had a son named Kyle in the 1990s who became a huge virtual sports gamer and really got his dad Rick into it. And Rick owned a huge corporation of eSports gaming until about 2018. Rick Fox worked very hard for his family and really had a great story of doing really whatever you want, following your dreams, even if it seems challenging. He made two dreams that tons of people can't even get to. Rick Fox did both. Not really shows you that you can do it all. Now, Andrew, let's move on to your story. He is one of the greatest NBA players of all time. In my opinion, the greatest power forward in NBA history. Andrew, the birthday of the day is... Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan has had an amazing NBA career from his amazing time on the Spurs and his decent coaching while next to Greg Popovich. But fine, his best um, job of all time was even better actor than Rick Fox. When one game, maybe about 10 years ago, probably closer to like 15, in the early 2000s, he was sitting on the bench. His team was up by maybe 30 with three minutes ago. He was just sitting on the bench with Marginobi and Tony Parker, just laughing it up, just having a good time. And one of his teammates gets the ball and just throws it at the hoop, and it's not even close. Like, it's not even close to the hoop. Duncan it just starts laughing because it's funny. Like, he wasn't even close. Like, I mean, I'd probably laugh. So he starts laughing, and then he hears a tweet of the whistle. And looks up, and the ref is pointing at him. And Duncan leans over to Tony Parker, and he goes, Why is the ref pointing at me? And Parker leans over and goes, Uh, Tim, you just got a technical foul. And Tim Duncan goes, What? I'm on the bench. And Tony Parker goes, Yeah, I think the ref knows. Tim Duncan is the only player in NBA history to get a technical foul on the bench. I'm pretty sure he might have been laughing at the play, and the ref maybe thought he was laughing at the call? I'm sorry, I really don't know. Luckily, they were up by a lot. It wasn't like the NBA Finals or anything. So, I mean, we can laugh about it now, but, like, he got a technical foul when he was on the bench. And, like, he didn't even stand up. So, I don't know. Um, happy birthday to Tim Duncan. Obviously, maybe, as Ryan said, the best power forward in NBA history. One of the best all-around players in NBA history. Happy birthday. Now, Ryan, let us get to the rundown of sports in the sports world. Chet Holmgren announced where he's going to college almost a week ago on Monday. And that is Gonzaga. Obviously, this is not a huge surprise. They were almost the best team last year, losing the Baylor in the finals. Obviously, have an amazing coaching staff, an amazing program. So excited for him, hoping that he can go to the Timberwolves in two years. But we will see what happens with him at, with him at Gonzaga. And very sad news. A Kentucky basketball player named Terrence Clark passed away in a car crash earlier this week, I believe, on Wednesday night. We're so sad for Terrence Clark. As we know, he had just committed to the NBA draft and was very excited for his dream. And, Ryan... 
with the Colts. Obviously, we know that they signed Carson Wentz this season, but before that, they called Andrew Luck, their former quarterback, who um, retired early, just two years ago, and said, hey, you want to come back? And he said, yeah. So they went out and got Carson Wentz. And Ryan, in extremely, extremely happy news, we obviously know after that terrible car crash involving Tiger Woods, he is now back on the pitch or field, whatever you play on in golf. And obviously, he is not golfing, but he is still walking around over some help. But we are glad to see him back on his feet and hopefully ready to play. Another very sad news, former NBA Hall of Famer, Scotty Pippen's son, has passed away. And he was a very talented player and a great person. Finally, I really not know anything about this, but last night, I believe in the UFC, which is boxing, I believe Jorge Masvidal played someone and lost. And there was also a very gruesome leg injury after the first kick of the match. We do not know anything more. I'm sure Google has way more um, about that. Anything else? Ryan, anything you want to add before we conclude? Not really, but I do want to say that the NFL Draft is so exciting. It is this Thursday. You should definitely watch it this Thursday night. It will be amazing. And on Friday, we will have more rounds. And on Saturday, we will have more rounds of the NFL Draft on Thursday night. Good news! Commissioner Roger Goodell has been vaccinated. So he will be able to hug and fist bump players once they are drafted. Andrew is telling me that the NFL draft is at 7 p.m. on Thursday night. Yes. And, obviously, as you said, the NFL draft is this Thursday. The NBA season, when we talk to you next, we only have about two weeks left the MLB season. I'm sure we'll have so much more news. We might even know who some of the top teams are in the NBA. More finals picks, more NFL news. I will be telling a great story about one of the best baseball pitchers of all time. Yes, next week on Twin Talk MN.